0: Love Talk Radio. Everybody, as always, we'd like to give you all a warm, warm welcome to today's show. I'm your host, of course, Faith, and you're hanging out live on Her Story 2. So welcome, welcome, everybody. Today's discussion is Hereditary and Genetics with our very special guest, Lebrun. Um, Welcome, welcome, I see all. Welcome, welcome. Begates Christina, begates... Hecklish for comment, come right in. So today, tonight, we have a special guest by the name of Florbon. For those of you who are joining us for the very, very first time, Florbon has done some amazing shows with us, so please go ahead and check them out in the archives. She's um, well-versed in many topics, and um, one of her favorite topics is blood types, um, you know, healthy living, and um, USO, you know, and all that fun stuff and as well as hereditary and genetics, which is what we will be discussing tonight. So let me share a little bit about Fleurbon for those of you who are joining us for the very first time. Fleurbon is a philanthropist, scientist rooted from the French Antilles. She's really New York, okay? So, you know, New Yorkers out there must be having such a fun time, you know, hanging out with one of their very own. Um, she has had consistent paranormal experiences, as well as contact from celestial and galactic entities since her youth. Yep, that is Flo Bon. Um, she believes that the divine feminine energies have begun to sweep over the planet in preparation for the Aquarius rising ninth gate. Her goal is to expose hidden agendas as well as disclose the science cover-up of melanated carbon galactic beams. She's also got a background in hereditary and genetics and has worked in you know in the science field so she's one of our very own women of STEM. So I will bring her in. I think she's here with us and I hope this is Slurvon. Hold on. I just need to find her. hey Slurgan. Welcome. Hello? Hi, hey, you, down? Down? you there? <laughs> Hey, you welcome. Welcome.
1: It's
0: a <laughs> Thank you, Thank so you for having me ahead. on. You're doing okay. Um, I can take hold it on. I just mute a few calls. Okay. Can you hear me, close on? Okay. I
1: can. I can.
0: Okay. Awesome. Um. How are you? How is everything? How is it going? We know right now. You know, you're you're doing a million things at once. Um, you know, I think we'll just go Indeed. ahead and ask. How is it going with the Flubon experience? I'm sure the whole world is excited, and people will be crossing time zones to show up.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. We have many people coming from actually a lot of international flights that were booked coming from um, your neck of the woods in the Netherlands, coming from Canada. Um, coming from the West Coast, coming um, from Hawaii. So we have quite a few people doing that track uh, to come to the Flurburn Experience Experiencer Conference, which I'm really excited about. I really have zero expectations. This is just I'm, I'm really grateful to be able to have a collective um, conference for all of us to come together to really share in the experiences on, personally, as opposed to normally we always talk through the phone or the Internet, but this time, Face to face, you get to meet some phenomenal people, and you know, you already know one of your wonder your your guests who comes on your show quite often, which is um, uh,
0: uh, I'm sorry, um, Sonia Barrett. (laughs) Sonia Barrett is a bomb. She is such a cool person. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sonia is the coolest. She has a wealth of knowledge, and and, you know, she she she, she's I think she's an excellent teacher because she knows how to take complex topics. And break them down in a way that oh everyone God. gets it. Yeah. Totally. And um, totally. yeah, yeah. So I think y'all are going. You're going. To, you're going to have so much fun. And you know, Flora, I mean, those are the best parties. The ones where you have almost zero expectations. They're usually the ones absolutely. that leave you know leave our mouth <laughs> open, gaping, like how did this happen? So I, I have no doubt it's going to be fantastic.
1: It'll be great. And of course, we got Barry Little yeah.
0: coming out. So everyone has their
1: flights. I booked everyone's flights. They're on their way for the conference. And like I tell everyone, yeah. you know, get the this is um because again I have a cap on how many people can come just for just yeah. for just for my sanity, to be honest. <laughs> so we can a little fun in it. And it's still um, you know, it's still personable. I love this. So
0: I'm yeah. excited and I'm excited to be on your show. Cool. <laughs> oh, we always love having you. It's such an honor and a pleasure. And um, in, in, in Denmark, um, we call those, you know, when you have like, you know, a small group of people in, you know, maybe in a, in, in a gala room or, a, you know, in a, you know yeah. in a special room or a special setting, we call them in-team, in-team concert, you know, an intimate in-team? concert, you know. Ah. In-team. Yeah, in-team. Yeah, we call them in-team concert. Mm-hmm. Or an in team ah, evening. So you have the jazz band playing, you you have some dinner, yes. you know, you sit, you talk with, you converse with the person. Oh, you know, the plane and playing or doing Yeah, they stop, they talk to you, they come around, join you on the table, hang out. Yeah, we call them in team. <laughs> in team. You see, yeah. That's so
1: interesting. Mm-hmm. This is the the verbiage in itself and the and the frequency when you say that, a term, it makes it yeah. feel good. It makes it feel very um uh very inviting.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's an intimate setting. <laughs> yeah, Welcome, everybody. Absolutely. I know we, we, that's how we do over here, y'all. We, we just had to, you know, hear a little bit about the Floorbone experience. And for those of you who are here for the first time, now you know. It's going to be in Florida, so, you know, Fleur-Brun, um, she's on YouTube. Uh, she's on, you know, different social media, so get in touch with her. Um, before we dive right in on um, Floorbone, if you don't mind, I like to start from the yeah. basics. And um, I'm yes. going to share a few definitions of hereditary genetics and chromosomes because I know we'll touch on those. And we want you okay. all to be on the same page with us. Florbon has this background, so she's well-versed with these terminologies um, and, you know, these descriptions and these, you know, the scientific words and all that stuff. But um, this is for us and for you all who are, um, you know, you know, discuss, you know, listening to a topic on hereditary and genetics for the first time. So um, hereditary, real quick, Um, you guys, hereditary is the passing on of traits from parents to their offspring, either through a sexual reproduction or sexual reproduction, you know, whichever terminology you choose. The offspring cells or organisms acquire the genetic information of their parents. Through hereditary, variations between individuals can accumulate and cause species to evolve by natural selection. Um, genetics, on the other hand, is a study of genes, genetic variation, and hereditary in living organisms. It is generally considered a field of biology, but intersects frequently with many other life sciences. Chromosomes mm-hmm. are a structure within the cell that bears the genetic material as a thread-like linear strand of DNA bonded to various proteins, that's a very key word in a lot of these studies because the protein tells a lot, proteins in the nucleus of eukaryotic cells or as a circular strand of DNA in brackets or RNA in some viruses. Um, In the cytoplasm of prokaryotes and in the mitochondrion and chloroplast of certain eukaryotes, this is Florber's language, y'all, bear with me. (laughs) Humans normally have 23 pairs of chromosomes, each with a characteristic length and bonding pattern. Chromosomes occur in pairs, in brackets, in most somatic cells, um, since one member of each pair comes from the mother and the other from the father. And a gene, finally, is the fundamental physical and functional unit of hereditary. It is because, of a, gene, it is because a gene is comprised of nucleoids, Um, that it is responsible for the physical and heritable characteristics or phenotype of an organism. So welcome, (laughs) Flogron. Very good, very good. Now that we got those definitions (laughs) out of the way, we know. (laughs) What's that?
1: That's a nice introduction. I love it.
0: awesome I I yeah, love we just want to days, get that yeah. out of the way because when you start using these words y'all know you know you know where she's you know where she's going with it because um, yeah. yeah. scientists a lot of times and correct me if i'm wrong I'm, I'm wrong you have a different language you don't speak english and in your circles you have different abbreviations terminologies that you all know yeah. what those mean but we Absolutely. sometimes make assumptions yeah. That's true. Okay. That's true. So I don't know. We'll start from, um, maybe we should start from what is the role of genetics of human populations across the world? What role does genetics play? Well, our, our, gene, mm-hmm. our gene dispositions
1: play a role in how we interact with our environment, how we socially interact with one another. How the environment actually uh, is proactive with us, and how sometimes um, we'll get into epigenetics where you have phenotypes showing up that are not necessarily coming from gene um, modification, but rather the environment changing aspects of your gene, your expression of your genes or your chromosomal expression um, due to the environmental changes that will sometimes change um, people's phenotypes. Um, how they how they look, how they're expressed in the world, or sometimes behavioral patterns. Um, our gene pool is very, very important in how we actually deal with nutrition. You know, um, it's why some of us have allergies to everything, and some of us can eat everything like a garbage pail and never be affected at all. It it actually Mm -hmm. is um, extremely pertinent for us to understand our heredity and our gene pool as it allows for us to make better choices that would um, benefit us long-term health-wise. It also allows for us to make mating a very much more um, purposeful act in that we choose mates that are more beneficial to um, giving our gene pool Expression in a healthier way with our offspring, as opposed to just g- mating randomly, and um, disallowing for those that you would like or wanting to be expressed with a mate that would be cohesive with you, with your gene pool, with your with your you know we go into blood types, which I've discussed on your show before, but it's very important. Genes are important in every which way. Mm,
0: yeah, and and when, when 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 we a lot of one of the most common discussions people have when, with regards to genetics is aging. You know, you hear people saying, oh, you know, blacks don't crack. Oh, you know, that's just genetics. It's one from the family. And, you know, please be a mythbuster if you must. We are not, you know, very sensitive here. Just tell it like it is. Does, gen- you know, when we, when, when, when we look at gen- the genetics of aging, is, gene- is aging more linked to hereditary or is it mostly influenced by genetics?
1: Oh, uh, ageing, ageing is a combination platter. It, it has to do with your, okay. your, um, your genetic, your genetic makeup of your family, where your family is from. Are you living somewhere that's cohesive to your, That your ancestors actually um, lived long and well there. Are you in a placement where you have the nutritional staples that your ancestors had access to? Um, genes play a long role. Now there are certain genes and certain people that are related, that are related, interrelated in uh, as far as phenotypes. Meaning sometimes they share the same um, melanin composition. Uh, you know, a strong amount of melanin. We call them melanin dominant people who have some of the similar traits of those who live longer spans of life. Now, whenever I talk about heirlooms, and I want to break this down so it's, it's understandable to your audience. Mm-hmm when we go, go to the store when we go to the store and for let's start let's start before we go to the store let's say we're gardeners and we want to grow some wonderful cucumbers or or cherry tomatoes we go usually to a store and we buy seeds and these seeds say okay this is for cherry tomatoes and this ones for cucumbers generally what for a person like myself and others who are based in the agricultural field or a botanist, you want to get seeds that have a, a, uh, a uh, older genome. Um, they come from older genome um, populace, meaning that they're fifty years and older. That's what we start to call them heirloom seeds. You'll hear a lot of times people throw out that term heirloom. I want to buy some heirloom seeds. What they're saying to you is, I want seeds that were here. 50 years ago that have not been genetically modified. Whenever you genetically modify anything, and we're starting at seeds, we'll talk about people in a minute because it's all interrelated, it's all relative. Mm -hmm. When we talk about starting Mm -hmm. at the seeds, an heirloom seed has a way stronger disposition, meaning it's more resilient. It's been around the block longer. It's not a newbie on the planet. So it has its own natural defenses, and actually how it expresses itself is cohesive to wherever it is based on the fact that it's an ancient, like what we consider people to be ancient. Ancients have a stronger gene pool. Now, when you start genetically modifying or um, homogenizing the, the dexterity of the genes start to break down, so meaning that it's not as strong it's not as strong it doesn't have as many defenses it's not it doesn't have as many um mem- and its memory bank is very limited it can't pull from recognizing that oh, this is springtime okay, I don't sprout until spring or the end of spring. The genetically modified seeds don't even have that that time lapse um, uh, notification where they know when to grow they just grow just as you plant them and they don't really have any sort of Guide, um, kind of like they don't have access to the Akashic Records. Heirloom seeds do, based on the fact that they're older, they've been around the block, their gene pool is established, so they're stronger, more durable, more resistant. Now, let's take this and take that ideology, that, that thought form, and let's pull it into the human genome. Humans are the same. So when you talk about melanin-dominant people, which are, which is fact that the oldest Person, female, it was a female that was found on this planet in Africa, was a brown female. She's one of the oldest. Um, what, what did they call her? I think they called her, was it Sophia? I don't, I don't know the progenitive name that they called this being, that they found the bones of the oldest living being on this planet, and they were African from a melanin dominant.
0: Mm-hmm. Is this the one who was um, found in Ethiopia? or Because I, I know it. in Kenya, when we were in school, we actually study yeah. the research of Philip Leakey, who found some remains in Kenya around the, you know, so those were also okay. quite ancient bones. Then I think later on, there was another body, I think, found in Ethiopia. In Eastern Africa. Older, yeah. Also, and, oh, Eastern yeah. Africa, which so was in Kenya, maybe Kenya, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. In, okay. No, it might mm-hmm. have been in
1: Eastern, no, I think Ethiopia might have been correct. I know it was I think Ethiopia came Africa.
0: later, right? Okay, Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe so. So we, When we go through the
1: gene pool of a group of people that have coexisted here for longer, meaning that generation after generation after generation, they build resistance and resiliency, and they're about this life, meaning that their genomes are recognizing of the changes, the ebb and flows. It is an heirloom. There are beings here, especially melanin-dominant beings, who come from a stronger gene pool based on the fact that their gene pool has been here longer. They're heirlooms. And if they still hold the blood type of the heirloom quality, which is O's, O's are the hubs of the other bloodlines. Everything um, that comes from O's are the subsidiaries like A, AB, um, um, Those are subs of the O's. O's are heirlooms. And if these are beings that are melanin dominant, it means they're the progenitors of all other nationalities. Some, at least some. Remember, I go into species. Not all beings are the same. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what I'm stating is that the reason why you may see brown people not age at a rapid rate is because they're older in genomes. They're heirlooms, meaning that they're built in, in a, their genomes or um, the quality of their genomes is pretty sturdy, and that being said hmm. is that they exist. this In most environments, because melanin-dominant people exist in the cold, Uh, you know, they're in Eskimos, in the middle of Alaska, and they're, for instance, to the the furthest south um, in Australia, the down-under and hot, hot regions. So melanin does allow for sustainability in all types of um, environments. And that being said, if we find that the oldest being is a female and was melanin-dominant, chances are the... Those beings who are reminiscent of that original being are, are consistently have that heirloom quality, making them durable and making them last longer than those who are newer beings on the planet due to the process of, you know, environmental changes, um, migrational patterns, and also um, those others who have been um, diabolically um, messing with the genomes of the original beings on this planet.
0: Yeah, and and this got me thinking about. I mean, you know, for a very long time, I don't know what this is now changing in schools. um, When when you study biology, you know, and you know, you definitely are being taught the, you know, Darwin, Darwinism, you know, evolution. What are your thoughts of the evolution theory? Because there's numerous debates about this. Children are still learning it. I think it's still being taught in schools. Um, What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: it's, our, it's, our
1: what it's not, really, not really realistic. Evolution ca- happens, but it can't happen in such a way. It takes generations and generations and generations just to change one little aspect to make your hair color change to even a lighter shade of brown would take at least 20, 30, 40 generations, and it would be very slight. We have gen- we have people whose evolutionary um, change has happened over a matter of two to three generations, which allows me to believe that we've been, our genes have been snagled with, with the other beings that are here, meaning that there are beings that are here that have messed with the genomes of the original beings here and that's splintered and genetically modified um, Be others who are coexisting now, who are showing up in the world in our, in our present-day matrix, who are not the original progenitors of what we came from, what we were. So I personally uh-huh. think that Darwinism is archaic. I think it can't really be provable. I think it's a concept that has out, outlived its, um, its theory. And, if, again, uh-huh. if anyone works in a laboratory, you see you know, it takes generations after generations just to get a little, little tiny quality of change. It would take eons, sometimes eons of time to get these big, vast changes from a being from very, very dark brown with coily hair to very blonde hair and blue eyes it wouldn't even be it wouldn't be something we would ever see or be able to document because that's it would be such a vast difference so I don't personally think that we've evolved that fast if it happens it's because we that process has been pushed along by other people who have been messing with the genomes unbeknown to us
0: yeah. Yeah, I'd like to pick it back what you've just mentioned because you touched on hair and skin color mm-hmm. and eye color. Let's just talk just a little bit about the genetics of hair, eye color, skin color yeah. because we, we know there yeah. are black people with green eyes and blonde hair, fully yeah. black, you know, yeah. but you will tell me whether you are know, you, 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 you'll, you'll break this down for us. And this has been a conversation, you know, that has created a lot of discourse, you know, and conflict. You know, hair, eye color, skin color—all this, you know, beautiful stuff. Let's talk about the genetic similarities and differences when it comes to hair, eye color, and skin color. Okay, if we where know where do these originate, originate from? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, everything originated mm-hmm. from that one, that one oldest being that we we. Talked about that that female that melanin dominant female that laid dormant that we were able to study is the oldest living oldest oldest living being that we found to be um, to have coexisted here on Mother Tiamat Earth. So if we know that she's the progenitor of all life, we also know that every aspect of genomes that are showing up come from her. So it would make sense that a brown person could have blue eyed brown. Um, um, blue eyes and green eyes based on the fact that if everything came from that being, they would have to have, um, you know, aspects of those qualities within themselves to be able to to, to create that, to you know, to, to actually have that show up and express itself in the gene pool. So it's not odd that you would see brown people with blue eyes because if, in fact, we're saying that everything is, you know, comes from that one being, it would mean that that one being would a, would be able to um, create others and splinter off other groups if we broke down her gene pool to create all aspects of the expressions of genes that show up, green eyes, blue eyes, blonde hair, coily blonde hair, uh, thin blonde hair, that would all come. And, in, in, you know, those who work in a rat laboratory know this is fact because if you've ever worked in a laboratory with rats, um, we do know that the majority of rats that you work with now in the laboratories have red eyes and white, white hair, whereas the original rats that you see in the streets anywhere have brown hair and brown eyes. You say to yourself, where did these white rats come from with red eyes? Where did that come from? It's because they've been genetically modified. They've been stripped of their melanin purposefully to allow for clinical and, and, and um, experimental data to be taken. And how does that happen? It's the same way that people go and get chickens. When you go to the supermarket and get chickens, if you're still eating that type of food, you will know that chickens that most people are eating have are white chickens with red eyes. There are no wild chickens what? in the wild. A you white would ever chicken? see. <laughs> yes, there white I'm chickens. Your, I have white. never
0: seen such a chicken. Seriously, I'm just being honest. Oh, Oh wow. You oh, didn't Go oh, so ahead. That. I've oh, never oh, seen a white chicken with red eyes um oh, I'll you, know, you that. and, and yeah, we yeah, do we have, have a lot of chi- farmers in Kenya here as well mm-hmm. oh you don't oh you don't have that be- so your chickens what color are your chickens by you our chickens are brownish you know um oh. you know a bit of you know they're colored but brownish um feathers oh. I just send you pictures of our chickens right from the farm. Um, we don't have any white chicken, red eyes. And yeah. even here I have a friend who has a chicken farm in um, a place called Rinspel here in Denmark. And yeah. I've seen her chickens. Um, they're no, oh there's my no God. white chicken with red eyes. They're brown yeah. chickens. The cock is really beautiful, colorful feathers. Just yeah. beautiful. But no, I've is. never seen that kind of a chicken. But, you know Sorry. what's interesting
1: about that? I love it. The- Stated this, and I love that's why it's very important for us to talk across geographical lines, because a lot of Americans on this call right now will be really upset. The majority of chickens that they are consuming, if not 90 to 99 percent, are those white chickens with red eyes. I'll send you the pictures of our farms here, and it will and it will probably cause you to get sick just looking at them. The fact of the matter is, your country is not allowing for those genetically modified chickens to be consumed because, obviously, if you're eating genetically modified food, it genetically modifies you. So it's interesting that you actually have natural-looking chickens for your consumption in Denmark. And here in the United Snakes of America, we have access to white chickens with pink eyes. And that's why I say they purposefully do that to strip these animals, and also when you strip an animal genetically modified and it take away its melanin, you also make it less nutrition. The, the, there's at least those uh, lessens in nutrition that you're able to absorb from that animal as well. Wow. Mm, wow.
0: Okay. So I'm just saying. Yeah, that that's really interesting. In.
1: It's yeah. really, really so,
0: interesting. We, 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 yeah. I, it's, it's just, yeah, you're right. The differences are immense. They really it meant, it yeah. And it should, yeah. And you should question. And because, I wanted to, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, go on. Oh, no, go ahead. You should question. No, no, go ahead. And I wanted to share um, an article that I read from the Harvard School of Arts. And the title mm-hmm. of this article was How Science and Genetics Are Reshaping the Race Debate of the 21st Century. It was written by Vivian Chu. Um, the first question in the article was does race still mean something? Um, and this was when I was under you know, the section on genetics and hereditary, and this popped up. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll just read a little excerpt, um, and it says that the divisions between races are doubtably blurred, but does this necessarily mean that race is a myth, a mere right. social construct and, biologi- and biologically meaningless one? As with other race-related questions, the answer is multidimensional and may well depend on whom you ask. In the biological and social sciences, the the consensus is clear. Race is a social construct, not a biological attribute. Today, scientists prefer to use the term ancestry to describe human diversity. Ancestry reflects the fact that human variations do have a connection to the geographical origins of our ancestors. With enough information about a person's DNA, scientists can make a reasonable guess about their ancestry. However, unlike the term race, it focuses on understanding how a person's history unfolded, not how they fit into one category and not another. In a clinical setting, for instance, scientists would say um, scientists would say that diseases such as sickle cell anemia and cyst- fibrosis, are common in those of sub-Saharan Africa or Northern European descent, respectively, rather than in those who are black or white. And I guess my question now to you, Floburn, is what are your thoughts on this new um, shift from using race, which they have defined as a social construct, and shifting, um, you know, shifting the, the language to now using the term ancestry? because we have new beings on the planet
1: i don't want to segue into ets but that's why because now there's a first of all there's a propelling of beings to start to merge there's a lot of interracial dating and promoting just like with the wedding we just had with um megan mickle um there's another african uh diaspora that married into a european bloodline um family um there is also a merging of two different types of quote-unquote, racial, because there's no such thing as different races. There are different species here, but races, no. There's only one race. There's only one human being on this planet. There are variations of the human being, but there's only one human. So there's no different races. If we were different races, we couldn't, we couldn't create children together. That's a fact. So I question just I, – I actually like the fact that they're going into ancestry, but it's, promote, it's being promoted and it's being – it's motivated – By the fact that we're going into a different cycle where there needs to be a merging of bloodlines, bloodlines, notice I said that, and Uh complexions in order to survive on the planet as we're going through a shift where the magnetic field is changing and also we're going and seeing a second and third sun which will cause more heat on the planet. And the planet will return to her natural homeostasis, which was tropical, where the majority and 99% of all beings on the surface, with only a few, um, uh, only a few modifications of that on the surface of the planet, existed and had to be hypermelanated. So, I personally mm-hmm. think they are changing the verbiage because it is motivated by a new cycle coming upon us that will only allow for the healthy homeostasis of those beings who have a consistent amount of melanin on the surface uh, surface of their skin. That is why promotion of interracial, um, and I, I say interracial, and, you know, I don't mean that. Racial is not, there's no such thing. It's interhumanism. It's intercomplexionism. Different complexions of beings are being motivated and propelled to mate with one another for the benefit of those who lack melanin because there was a system in time during the last cycle where it was cold and it was cohesive for those who lacked melanin to live cohesively on the planet. That's no longer the case. So there has to be a merging of the bloodline. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Point. Um thank, thank you. you. Yes, that that was well put. Um Shaz, welcome. I think I see you on the line. Welcome Shaz. Jump right in. Say hello. Floor going here. How you Shaz. How are you now? Hey, Hey, Sylvan, how are you doing? I'm just listening to all the amazing things you're saying. We cannot follow up with that. It's too much. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. We're just getting insane here because you have so much good stuff always to tell us, so we're just getting, you know, wiser and wiser. But, um, yeah, but uh, we're listening, and we have a couple of questions for you at the end, so you just keep on going. Well, I was saying, you know, I think... Mm-hmm. Go oh, no, slurper. go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go on, oh, um, <laughs> oh, I was saying, you know, I think there's
1: a misnomer, um, because I think I made a video yesterday about the N- Nega Serpent Temptress who's connected to the East Africano, um, who's, um, who's kind of um, coming online with Empress of uh, Sheba's her bloodline. Uh, what was interesting is because I am a fan, and I am in sync with unity consciousness. And the only way that we will actually heal some of the karmic debt on this planet and actually go to higher fields of consciousness is if we merge with one another, which will happen regardless if we want, it to, do, if we want to do it or not. And the issue that I think is interesting because of the progenitors of quote-unquote racism, which is nothing more than a form of complexionism and, and speciesism that is pre- being propelled and promoted as something that it's not. First of all, no brown being merging with someone whose fairer skin is taking away from their gene pool. The, the lighter skin being is only going back home when they go with a brown person. Do you realize what I'm saying to you? The lighter skin person, the lighter complexion person is only going back home when they merge with a brown person. Remember, they come from brown people. The majority of lunars, that's what I call people from European sex, are lighter-skinned brown people. Now, if we people say, oh, that's madness, let's go back to who was the original being on this planet. It was a brown female. If that's the case, she's the oldest being that we found, that we've credited to having the oldest heirloom genomes, then we have to state that that is the mother, the over-mother of all civilizations. And I didn't say civilization, I said civilization. For that case, when Lunar's (laughs) Mix, excuse me, that's true. When looters mix with brown people, all they're doing is coming back home to their original zygote. That's all they're doing. So when people keep saying, oh, the interracial dating and so on, it is beneficial for those who lack melanin to come back home because they get more access to the Akashic records. Also, they get some of the protection and the regeneration of having melanin, which is a hyper-regenerative quality. That's why, again, you live for long periods of time because when you start mixing Excuse me, I'm sorry, ladies. Sorry, (laughs) excuse you. When you start mixing, I'm talking so fast like a New Yorker. It's so, you know, we we when we go when I go in, you know, New Yorkers have a
0: tendency. Girl, we we laugh at. Please, no, because it is Um, going to this. You know, our shows with you are so loaded and packed. That's the one of the comments we get. They're like, you you all know how to put so much information in 30 minutes. It's fantastic. (laughs) Okay. Um,
1: New York whatever, <laughs> I am. I'm going in. And I was just saying, you know, um, for, for those who, who question the motivation of the government, they're doing it because it's that it is beneficial to them. And where a lot of brown people mm. feel a certain way, it's like, listen, we weren't good enough uh, 100 years ago or 400 years ago to mix with, but now we are okay. But everything wants to survive. And a lot of mm-hmm. the beings know, even subconsciously, those who have a little less melanin, have, they have natural survival mechanisms too. Their bodies, their cravings, that's why you see a lot of women looking at brown men to mate with. Women especially, we have a survival mechanism in us that, that kind of sets off a, an alarm in us or, or an allurement in us to mate with those males that will give us strong offspring. So people think it's a lot of promoting of it, but there's a lot of survival, we know. And I remember years ago, people said I was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and they said it wasn't going to happen. Everything that I stated is happening right now. If you go to any ATM and bank, you will see interracial couples being promoted to you consistently. And it's not just any interracial couple. You start to see these brown women with afros, with lunar males being promoted. Why would they have a woman who's natural in her hair? They didn't do that before. Usually it was a girl, a woman of color with more straight hair or weave, you know, something that was more progenitor of European style. Uh-uh, uh they're promoting more Africano women, women more naturopathic. You know why? Because that coiled hair will protect that's offspring. They need a woman who has the strongest gene that is more of an heirloom to mate with in order to neutralize or to make the progenitor of a gene pool that would allow for offspring to be healthy and actually survive what is about to come on this planet, which is heat. Uh
0: Okay. Fleurban, this is why we invited you to talk about hereditary and genetics, because this is all (laughs) gene blended, and, you know, Mm -hmm. I won't even add to that. I can't add anything to that. She has put it all in one beautiful package. Um Shah, <laughs> do you have any questions for Flourborn? Just throw you know, yeah, jump right, in right now, a t- don't wait. <laughs> right Um uh, actually I have a question for you and the question yeah. is that what what is your thought about the HeLa cells? Because we actually did a show, like we had, you know, a series with Henry Lac, so that's why we'd like to know about what is your thoughts about this HeLa cells
1: About what cell? I'm sorry.
0: Uh, he he cells, you know, with the you know uh, Henrietta Lax, yeah, the
1: lady, yes, yes. yeah. Well, they studied. Her well, they replicated and cloned her genomes. Also, that's you know that's how they were able to find out later on, and to go into the study mm-hmm. of like Dr. Brookman has talked about. They've gone into the study of melanin. I mean, there's big programs in in parts of East Asia, Russia, um, Cuba, um, uh, every Europe um, they study um, melanin, and, and Henrietta Lacks is why they did that, because they saw that her gene pool, like they used to put it under a microscope, and they saw that everything that came across melanin was destroyed and altered and transmuted, and that rewards them. Uh-huh they found that she was a superwoman, a super being. They won't ever tell you that. Exactly. She she does, her genomes actually express themselves as superbeing. And that is also why we have the highest rate of um, organ harvesting ever on this planet of mm-hmm. melanin-dominant people. We have hit $50,000. Some officers are getting paid to kill and mark somebody. That's why I say to people, don't sign the back of your license, at least in the United States. Because and don't tell them your gene, um, your blood type because they will match. They will get matched to your organ and somebody somewhere else, including some of the graves from the future. I've talked about that before. Are taking these organs to try to fix their genomes because they require melanin dominant, gene, um, organs to be able to survive. And a lot of them are placing these organs in their bodies to kind of regenerate because it does help to as soon as you get an organ in your body that has high amount of melanin that comes from a brown person, it actually stimulates your, mm-hmm. um, your pineal Perfect. gland to start uh, creating melanin.
0: You shouldn't have to. Oh, okay. Sorry, y'all. I will just find. <laughs> that. um, see, that's okay. why. Sometimes yeah. you have to. Um, okay, sorry, Flobon, just go ahead. Um, when when you were talking about Henrietta Lacks, you know, they, they're called the immortal cells of Henrietta Lacks. Um, you know, it's hard to imagine that this is an isolated case, Flobon, you know. Even just if you look at, if you just imagine, you know, like you've been talking about the genetics, hereditary, how we inherit genes, how we all come from one source. I just seem to imagine that her children, have immortal cells like their mother. You know, it's a, it's an assumption, you know. So I find it hard to think this is just an isolated case. What what do you think? Oh, oh hold on. A, oh, sorry, Flavon. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. Um.
1: It looks like if you see one roach in a room, chances are there's like 40 behind the wall or more. If we are seeing. I'm um, just events, rewind
0: a little bit. We didn't hear what you said like for a,
1: for like a few seconds before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, what mm-hmm. I said is like having a bug that you see outwardly. Mm-hmm. Chances are, if you see <laughs> one bug isolated alone, you can tr- kind of make the assumption that there might be a whole bunch behind the wall. So just because we heard one story of Henrietta Lacks, which is not isolated in any way. They've been studying the genome of the melanin dominant people for eons. For as long as they've had science, they've been studying melanin. And that is also why in Philadelphia they did the experiment on radiation on little boys. I think um, look up on the Internet. It's the man with the hole in his head. Uh, It's a very sad story of a little brown man. Well, he's an older man now. He's 80. I think he's in the 80s, and I'm not sure if he's living still but um, they had done testing on little brown boys with radiation to see how much radiation would actually alter or cause damage to them, and they gave them a multitude of radiation exposure because they realized that melanin was transmuted. It, was transmute, uh, it transmuted um, radiation. Actually, it was one of the only things that disallows radiation from permeating the cells. So they tried to give as many high doses to, the, to an insane amount where would cause a hole in the head of the person that they were experimenting on, which was little brown boys. I think it was Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken, mistaken or Ohio. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that was with the, an isolated um, experiment. So we do know that melanin matters and that because it is an heirloom quality, just like we talked about the seeds mm-hmm. that are older heirloom that have higher content of transformativeness and trans... trans um, transmutation, and also it's, it's actually uh, you're able to heal yourself quicker with a higher amount of it, it would make sense that that's something that they're trying to covenant, trying to patent, and trying to um, uh, infect.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, you know what, Fleur Bon, you wouldn't believe it. We have like a minute oh. left on the show. Oh, wow. a minute or two okay. left on the show. Yes, wow. Okay. <laughs> this has been wow. awesome. I'm just going to say thank you Likewise. from my side. Thank you so much. This has been such a phenomenal oh, discussion. You all, oh, wow, thank you I for having me on the show. I'll speak for myself. Always a pleasure and an honor. Um, I just Michael. need to give you, you know, the minute, last, you know, the last minute to, you know, share anything you'd like to share with us. Okay. Um, You know, whatever, I'll let you have the last word. (laughs)
1: Thank you, ladies, for having me on the show once again. It's always a pleasure. It's like meeting old friends and having a cup of coffee. I love coming on the show, and you always make me feel very welcome. So thank you again for having me on this platform. Also, I wanted to say, you know, as much as we discuss um, aspects of genetics and heredity and and quote-unquote racial um, dispositions and differences, I want to always emphasize that we should be united and the way that we stand with one another. The fact of the matter is we're all one human on one planet, and if we act as such, we would be much more progenitors of healthiness and holisticness on this planet, and we would be able to deter any sort of uh, agitation or um, separation that a lot of the environments the governmental officials that are creating all these coups are creating within our systems and how we interact with one another, so I just want to say I'm all about unity consciousness. I say we all go back to one um, one being one human on one planet. I say we just you okay. know take yes. off all the, take these
0: labels off. Be <laughs> man, okay. okay thank, thank you, you so much Fleur-Bone. thank you shazu thank, thank you to all of our listeners. For hanging out with us. As always, we invite you yeah. all to go and change the world. You you can do something yeah. small, big, it doesn't matter but do something to change the world for the better. Thank you, Florbon. We wish you Thank a you. fantastic Thank experience you. Thank in, you. Um, at the conference and um, okay. we yep. know you'll have a blast. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you for coming and sharing your knowledge with us and all of our fantastic yeah. experience. Thank you, everybody. We good you love work. All. Thank you Thank you. Bye bye dear. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah. Yes. Um thank you. Bye bye.